Hey everyone, you tuned in to the Lead Generation Lab Podcast, the science of real estate agent marketing, brought to you by Omega Title, Marketplace Home Mortgage, and MVP Realty. Come on, let's go. Welcome everyone to the Lead Generation Lab Podcast, the science of real estate agent marketing. I am Anthony Bermudez, your host, and I'm here with Derek Carlson once again. Hey, it is good to be back, Anthony. Thank you so much for having us here and having this event once again. And today's show, it's going to be about how to get listing leads. I think that's one of Absolutely. the things that um, people out there have to master, it seems like. It's not something you can just come out straight out of real estate school and do. So no, what are it, your thoughts on that? Definitely. It takes a different skill set to go after listings. listings. Listen, there's two sides of the coin. You can work with buyers. Uh, you can work with sellers, right? And we do a lot of our uh, podcasts in the past have been on working and, and going after getting generating leads on the buyer side. Right. Today, we're going to have a conversation on how to get listings. You ready? Yep. Let's do it. All right. All right. All right. So the first thing I'm going to, you know, we're going to get into the details of how to go after listings and how to, how to get seller listing appointments. Um, but before we start, here's the deal. It's not like being a buyer's agent. It's totally different. You have to have uh, several key ingredients and a, and, a, and a level of understanding on what it takes to be the top listing agent. Um, the first thing I got to tell you is, listen, our industry is very, very difficult. Um, and to become a listing agent, first ingredient you need in your tool belt is uh, you have to have the right mindset. Let me ex- let me explain. Okay, what do I mean by the the right mindset? Yeah. This is something that they you just can't roll out of the 63-hour real estate school here in Florida and uh, become a top listing agent. It takes a different level of skill sets. With those skills, it's going to take time. You're going to have to have the num- one of the number one, uh, the number one ingredient I believe in in building a business, which, which is patience. A lot of the agents that I see coming to the industry, they don't take the time to work on their craft. And with becoming a top listing agent, that is needed. Um, you're going to have to go and, 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 and role play, uh, create a listing presentation, come up with a marketing game plan, know what to say, how to say it when you get in front of a seller. Um, and, and you have to work on your skill sets, right? You have to, you have to handle objections, right? And listen, um, there's some great, um, educational material out there from Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, Craig Proc to some of these coaches that goes over just how to handle objections, right? So all basically, just getting the listing appointment is only phase one. You got to get the the signed listing agreement. Right. That's just a different. It sounds like just more steps to it. I yeah. mean, like we just talked about a buyer. It's a different process versus the seller. You have Absolutely. to get your presentation. You have to feel comfortable. You have to know what things are going to come about. And I'm sure you can go into more details a- about a- it. Absolutely. And and I'll give you an example about patience. Right. We, you know, do you know? Do you have anybody in your family that's a doctor by any chance? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. I, I have two now. Um, two, my, my niece and my nephew. Look at that. And uh, just recent, right? Wow. Now, did you know the average doctor earns about $150,000 a year? Right. Okay. Yep. The average doctor, uh, that the person as far as the educational side of that, to become a doctor, what do, what do you think the average years is? The years they put in? Yeah. They're usually out of school by 30, 31, right? Yeah. So, they, so the average doctor takes 14 years to become certified on average, okay? So I want you to think about that. They spend 14 years of their life to make $150,000 as a career. Unbelievable. We have rookie agents, rookie agents that went to a 63-hour real estate school here in Florida that are 
making more than that their first year. Okay. So, and, and here's the other thing. A lot of, um, uh, articles are written right now. They're calling becoming a doctor. And again, this is no disrespect to doctors. The two of the most important people in my life. We my need niece, them. We need them. My niece and my nephew. But here's the thing. They're calling it now the million dollar mistake. And there's articles out there about becoming a doctor. You spend 14 years of your life. Yep. You're basically sacrificing your, 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 then when you get out of school, the average doctor has $278,000 in student loans to pay back right. before they can make $150,000. Um, let me ask everybody that's listening, how much did your real estate school cost? <laughs> your education for real estate school, right? So what happens is, is a doctor is a great example. Think about how much they have to be patient. They have to spend 14 of the years of their life. Imagine if realtors didn't spend 14 years, but they spent the next six months studying their craft to be the best, wow. to be the best listing agent. Right. Do you know how much money the top realtor in this that's country amazing. makes? It's not that's 150 grand, right? Yeah, it's that's, obscene. That's a great but here's, perspective. But here's the thing. You got to be patient. Right. You got to be like that doctor mentality. Give me six months of hardcore education, and a lot of this can be found for free on YouTube, Google, just by doing the research. Yeah, I right? think that's the amazing part, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, be patient, because here's what I've realized. Education plus action plus patience is the new equation equation of success. Education plus action plus patience equals success. And, th- and that's, that's my opinion. If you're willing to put in the time, you're willing to study the craft of becoming a realtor, and this goes for both the buyer side and the listing side, you can literally become the best. And I'm not asking you for 14 years. I'm not asking you to repay back 278 grand. All I'm asking you is to be patient and go for it. And just go for it. So that was the first bit of advice. You've got to have a real estate mindset. The second bit of advice is that you need to understand what a typical listing agent schedule looks like. Now, here's the deal. A lot of agents that I talk to, right, and I ask them, so what does your daily schedule look like? And they cannot even answer that question. You know why? They're running their business with an employee mentality. 63 hours ago, before they got their license, they were a police officer, a school teacher. They might have worked in the restaurant industry. They were told when to show up. They were told in some cases what to wear. And they were told when they can leave at the end of the day. Well, here's a news flash to everybody that's listening. You work for yourself. You are your own boss. Okay, so rolling out of bed whenever you want to, one day, 10 o'clock, the next day, nine o'clock, the next day, noon, right, doesn't work if you're running your own business. So, and I'll give you an example. Imagine this, imagine if you went to Home Depot today, right, and the sign on the door says we open at six and you got there at six o'clock and nobody opened that door, right? And you're like in the parking lot, you're like, dude, I got to get this lumber to, to go finish this job, Right. You wait, it's now 7 o'clock, All right, now it's now 9.30 and the door isn't open. Then here comes the manager rolling in, right, <laughs> whenever the hell they want right. at 9.30, they unlock the door, you buy your lumber. Strike one against Home, Home Depot as an example, right? The next day, you need more things for that house that you're building or whatever, whatever thing you're doing, and you go to Home Depot again, signs at 6 o'clock, right? They don't open until noon the next day. How many times would you give that establishment a chance? And you could use this with any business, Dunkin' Donuts. How many times would you ever give the, would you give that establishment before you say, you know what? They're running this not like a business. They're not 
They're not working conducive to what I need as a service, and I'm going to go somewhere else. So for all the realtors out there, you got to understand your schedule is critical. Your schedule needs to be written out as a, with a mindset that you are the business owner. So let me give an example of what a, what a schedule looks like for a top producer, okay? Now, obviously, you're going to wake up when you wake up, but let me just give you uh, the mindset of a top producer. From 8 o'clock to 8.30, they prepare themselves to start doing lead generation, to start calling expired listings and FISBOs and sphere of influence. Then from 8.30 to 11, Monday through Friday, they are hardcore focused on one task, to generate leads, to generate business. So literally from 8 to 11 every day, you cannot call a top producer. They are not available. They shut their phone down. There is no way to get a hold of them. From 12 to 1 p.m. every day, this is when they take lunch. Okay, From 1 to 2, they work on lead conversion, which is follow-up from the leads they already had. From two to three, they service their business. And then from three to six, every single day, Monday through Friday, they go on listing appointments and show property. Okay? Now, that is their business plan. That is a business plan of a top producer. Here's why. You're in front of your computer at 930 in the morning generating leads, and you get a call. You stop generating leads, and you go out and show a property 20 minutes away to a potential buyer. Guess what? Your pipeline for lead generation just shut down that moment. Right. What you do today does not affect you today. It might not even affect you tomorrow. You know when it's going to affect you, Anthony? 90 days from now when you have no commission checks coming in. Right. So what what CEOs, which every realtor is, and what realtors that are business owners, which every realtor is, need to understand is that your schedule is your schedule. You need to time block every single day, Monday through Friday, Lead generation, lead generation. And whatever you do in the morning, you're scheduling those appointments in the afternoon. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I guess the one component that I, I want to add to that success equation that you gave, just for you spewing that schedule, it's discipline. Like it sounds like you got to have that discipline and that ability to schedule your day to maximize it. Absolutely. You, you, you have to maximize your day. Listen, we all have the same 24 hours in a day, right? And what is mind-boggling is that you can take an agent that has two deals in escrow, okay? Two deals, and they look like hell froze over. They're running around, no game plan. They haven't generated a lead in two weeks because they're managing the two deals that they have in their pipeline. And then you have a top producer, okay, that sells 50 homes a year. They haven't worked a weekend in two years. They cut out at 5 o'clock every night, right? Why? What? They're both realtors. They both have the same 24 hours in a day, but obviously the top producer that's cool as a cucumber has systems in place. He's got a, a daily game plan, and he or she executes that game plan where the other person is just waking up every day and letting the day come to them. So the next thing is you have to have the right mindset, but more importantly, you've got to control your schedule if you plan on being a top agent. Finally, what do you think it means to be a top listing agent? Uh, and I'll, get, I'll use this as an example in our local real estate market here in Southwest Florida. What do you think it actually means to be a top listing agent? Being able to close deals. I think being able to go there and present but, your, uh, your your services. Absolutely. But but more specifically, how many homes or listings do you think it, mean, um, it takes? How many listings a year do you think it takes in our local market 
to become a top listing agent, give or take? I would say anywhere from six, six to 10. Okay. Let's get into the specifics here. Did you know out of the thousands and thousands of realtors in our local market, only nine of them, only nine had more than 50 listings last year. 50. 50. Only nine. Wow, I was out of it. So a lot of agents are out there saying, hey, uh, I can't become a top listing agent because that's that's only for those agents out there that, you know, the top, there's, right. everybody's going after listings. Right. Uh, Newsflash, wow. there is no competition. There's nine people and then you. Okay, let's continue the conversation. How many agents do you think sold in our local market more than 20 listings last year? How many out of the thousands and thousands and thousands of agents? How many agents sold more? I mean, think about it. 20 is not even one a week. Right. Okay. I mean, How many sold more than, uh, more than, more than 20 listings? I, I would say at least 20%. I mean, top 20%. So th- maybe 1,000 people? Yeah. 48 agents sold more than 20 listings. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Let's keep going. Wow. Okay. Out of the thousands and thousands of, of agents in the board, okay, locally. How many agents, we're going to break it down. How many agents sold five listings or more in the last year in our local market? Five, Anthony. I have agents that can get five in a week. Oh, gosh. I mean, selling five. I I have to think in the thousands. I mean, that's a thousand or two thousand. Come on. 479 agents sold five or more. Okay? So, again, I'm telling you this. That's crazy. Think about this. Wow. If you sold six properties or more on the listing side, six listings or more in the last year. Yeah. You're in the top 7%, which means that you're better than 93% of the other agents out there. Wow. Okay. Now, if that doesn't blow your mind, okay, I don't know what will. So there is no competition. There is no competition. Your competition is you. So that's on an illusion. When, when people are talking about, oh, I can't get those listings. That's all. No, it's an illusion. Oh. It's an illusion. Wow. And, and the reality of it is, is if you put a little effort into it and be patient, you educate yourself, and then you take action, mm-hmm. you can literally be a top producing listing agent in a month because there is no competition out there. Unbelievable. Okay? So, again, if you want to be better, sell, <laughs> unbelievable. sell, six, sell six listings and you'll be better than 93% right. of the board. So. Okay, so now we're going to get into the meat of this. I wanted to introduce you to the listing side, and we're going to whip through this real fast. And we're going to go over um, why you should become a listing agent. Uh, we're going to go over the foundation of real estate, which is what I call becoming a listing agent. Why listings actually is one of the greatest forms of leverage in our industry. How you can manage your time better. How to become an expert. How to understand market statistics so sellers would want to hire you. How to create a listing presentation. And then again how to get more listings and sell our leads. So why should you become a listing agent? One of the first things, and I've got three things I want to go over. Why, why do you think, Anthony, we sh- you should want to become a listing agent? Well, you're able to get the leads. That's a source of getting leads, obviously. I, I would think that's the number you one. You have a for sale sign out there, things Right, like for that. sale sign. Yeah. You have it online. You're able to market. Yeah. People know you're going to attract buyers, which you're able to generate Absolutely. leads from it. Absolutely. So that's one of the things we're going to go over. Let me go over this in detail. But before I do, let me ask you this. When was the last time you ever heard of a listing agent go on a listing appointment where they spent five days in that home talking to that seller? Jeez, no. It's a one and done deal. <laughs> how long is usually a listing appointment? About an uh, hour? An hour, yeah. Okay. Hour. But how common is it for a buyer's agent to show property for five days? Oh, boy, yeah. We're Very common. Yeah. It, it, sometimes they show 10 properties a day. Absolutely. I ha- we, we have buyer's agents at the company that have been showing properties to, an, uh, to a potential buyer yeah. 
for months. <laughs> okay? I'm going to tell you right now, if you yeah. try to stay five days on a listed appointment, they're going to call the cops, and the seller's <laughs> going to arrest you. They want you in and out of that property right. in about an hour, right? right. So, so I, I say that jokingly, but the reality of it is, guess what? Same commission. Buyer's agent shows property for months, five days, right? Grinding it out, r- running out of gas half the time, right? 3% commission, give or take, whatever your commission co-broke is. Listing agent, one hour listing appointment. They hit a home run, 3% commission. So the first thing that you got to understand, it's phenomenal use of your time. You can actually make more money. And I would argue, you, everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. I will continue to repeat that until somebody proves me otherwise. But the reality of it is, think about this for a minute. If I can go on a listing appointment and make 3% versus you as a buyer's agent showing property, right? Here's the thing. You're going to end up making a lot more money by utilizing your time a lot better, okay? Um, At the end of the day, and I hate to say this. This is one of those things that it's, it's, uh, I get some feedback on this, but it's the truth. If you're the listing agent, you're the employer. All the buyer's agents are technically employees, And I hate to say that because here's the deal. Your listing is an asset. Those buyer's agents don't get paid unless they show assets like you have. And what I love about the time management side of of going after listings is you could be on a a beach with a cocktail in your hand, okay, watching your kids play in the water, and you went on the listing appointment the night before for one hour, and you have thousands of realtors in this town trying to sell your asset. Ring, ring, ring. As you have the cocktail in your one hand, you have your cell phone in the other, and you get a call from a buyer's agent, and they're like, hey, we have a contract coming over for that property. That buyer's agent had to do a ton of work, been driving around with that buyer for months, and you're going to get the same 3% or whatever the the commission is. Isn't it crazy? It's unbelievable just to think that the time management element of of when you're listing a property, it's night and day. Night and day. Night and day. And the other thing is, is leverage, as you mentioned earlier. Yep. Leverage. When you have a listing, you have something to talk about. When you have a listing, you can host an open house. The nosy neighbors come over. They see what such a wonderful turnout and job that you do. Guess what? You might list their property, right? It's something to, to brag about. When you have a listing, you have a sign out front. When you have a listing, you go into Zillow and, and Truly and Realtor.com as a listing agent. You get buyer leads, okay? So that one listing, if you know how to market it, might bring you 20, 30 leads, then you close one or two of those on other properties. Next thing you know, that asset turned into more money for you. Right. It's a double dipping side of it, isn't it? Because you're you're having a domino effect from that listing because yep. you're attracting. Let me. Is there a quick question off the domino effect? If you're in a community, say 500 homes, absolutely. You you get that residual. Absolutely, from that? Okay. you will get the residual. Okay. Um, and that's a great word to to use is that you do get the residual value of having a listing. You could send out just listed postcards, just sold postcards. They right. can see your you, they see your face all over the place, especially in social media for that neighborhood as well, because you're marketing that listen. Um, so technically, in my opinion, listings are the foundation of our entire real estate industry. No listings, there is nothing for the buyers agents to sell. Okay. So now we talked about the foundation of real estate. Now to become the best in the top, a top producer, you got to understand you have to be the expert. Okay. Now what does it take to be an expert in the world of becoming a top producing listing agent? First of all, practice. In my opinion, you need to practice and role play 
having fake listing appointments with other people before you go on a listing appointment. Um, I mentioned this guy in the past, but I'll use him again, Ray Allen. Okay, Ray, Ray Allen used to take something like 500 three-pointers a day. Okay, 500 three-pointers a day. He's possibly one of the best NBA three-point shooters of all time. Okay, Jesus Shuttlesworth. You know who that guy Absolutely. was. Absolutely. He got game. But anyways, back to the episode. Um, here's the thing. The guy's, the guy's been shooting 500 three-pointers. Do you think just one day he's like, you know what? I think I know how to shoot the three. I've been doing it for 10 years. Right. I'm just going to take today off. I'm just going to take today off. I'm not going to shoot my 500 three-pointers. I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm Ray Allen. I'm one of the best of all time. No. He wants to be prepared. He wants to be fresh. So when he gets into a real game, he knows what to say with a knee-jerk reaction, how to say it, and when to say it. Now, here's the deal. As I mentioned earlier, coaches like Mike Ferry, Craig Proctor, Tom Ferry, they've written the blueprint. They have actually, if you go on their websites or just Google it, if you go on their websites, they have complimentary downloads where they have basically every question a seller oh, wow. could potentially ask. Wow. Every question. Okay. So if I were you, and, it, and you're listening right now, the first thing, if, I, if you wanted to be a top agent before, not during, before you go on a listing appointment, I would sit there and I would take my best friend, a relative, my significant other, and I would say, okay, here's the deal. Here's the questions I want you to ask me. And I would give them the blueprint from those coaches and I would practice in my response to those questions. It's almost like cheating on a test. Okay? And here's the thing. If you do it enough, you're going to get better at it. You're going to have oh, the yeah. mannerisms. It's going to become authentic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay? And here's the thing. These, these coaches have been around so long, they know the questions. They know the questions that the teacher, a.k.a. the seller, is going to ask. Why would you not in a million years want to study for the exam of a listing appointment when you have 3% commission on the line? Why would you? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't because I think with practice, you're able to feel comfortable. And if you have that fear of talking and presenting, because that's always one of the things that we've talked about in the past where you have agents that maybe are not comfortable uh, in front of a camera or just in presentations. And I think practice will help someone be able to become a top listing agent for sure. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you this. All of the seller leads in the world means nothing if you don't know how to close them and to handle objections on the listing appointment. It means you, you're just wasting your money yeah. and wasting your time trying to get them. Another tip that I would give you, so not only would I go role play, read those scripts, handle those objections. You know, you can go to YouTube right now and type in coaches like Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, and they actually have recorded listing presentations from some of the top agents in the country, right? Why not watch those? Watch a listing a presentation. Seriously, study their mannerisms. What are they saying? How do they say it? And, and, and really try to model yourself after people that have already done it. This is unbelievable, and I'm just here. You see my face. I'm totally blown away. Because these are things that this wasn't available 10 years ago. No. You know, this wasn't stuff that people were putting out there for us to learn about. No, exactly. So a lot of agents are like, can I can I shadow you on a listing presentation? Jeez. No. <laughs> Go to YouTube and type in Mike Ferry right. listing presentation and watch it a thousand times <laughs> until you are the best. This is the beauty of the technology that we have available. You're shadowing what you would call shadowing a top producer. How are you going to learn from going on one shadow an appointment, right, 
versus you watching the video of the best in the country doing it over and over again. It just doesn't make sense. So as I mentioned, experts get paid. Okay. So we talked about role playing. We talked about going to watch these presentations, but I got to be honest with you right now. If you're, if you want to be a top listing agent, you got to study the sales contract. You have to study all of the paperwork involved in the transaction. Here's why. Let's say you're fortunate enough to get the listing appointment and you're fortunate enough to get them to list the property with you. You put it on the MLS, you start marketing it, and now a buyer wants to buy it. Somebody submits a contract. But wait a minute, you don't even know what the contract, how it reads. You don't know that the buy, it's a one-sided contract in favor of the buyer. Right. And here's this listing agent trusting you to know what that contract means. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that any of you are attorneys, but here's the deal. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it with conviction. You are not the best agent for your client if you do not know how to fill out the damn contract. Step aside and give it to a professional. And you know what irritates me the most? Is a lot of agents are sitting waiting to get ready to get ready to wait. And they're sitting there with no, I don't have any leads coming in. What are you doing with your time as a business owner? Print the contract. Go to form simplicity wherever your contracts uh, uh, reside. Print them and study them. Every word, every line. If you don't know what a line means, reach out to your broker. Practice selling a house from Michael Jordan to Larry Bird. Yeah. Because that's how the best do it. You should not be waiting to go on a listing appointment to fill out your first listing agreement. That's just, that's irresponsible. Irresponsible, Anthony. Have you had that before? I get that on a weekly basis. Wow. Okay. Where an agent, it's Saturday morning traditionally, okay? And an agent that has been at my company for two months, and I've been begging agents for that during that time, over and over again, send me a practice contract. Send me a practice contract. And then I get the 911 call at 9.05 on a Saturday morning. And it says, Derek, I've never filled out a contract before. Are you kidding me, you business owner? Are you kidding me right now? You've been around for two months? What have you been doing with your time? Seriously, Anthony. Yeah, this is, I'm mind blown. This is still going on with all this. Wait, wait, wait. It's still been going on. This has been going on <laughs> uh, for 80 years in our industry, and it's why we have 80% failure rate after five years. Yeah. Okay? Because people are not taking this serious. Okay? And what's going to happen is that the cream will rise to the top, as the macho man Randy Savage once profoundly <laughs> yes. said, the cream always rises <laughs> to the top, brother. Boy, that was a little Hogan well, there. Well, I mean, it, it just it just speaks to the numbers that you were saying earlier about having six listings just puts you in the top 7%. No, That's it, crazy. It, 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 it's crazy. So the next thing I'm going to say is, okay, so you got to role play. you got to watch the experts do it and watching those videos. Okay? You've got to study the contracts. The next thing, you got to know your market statistics. The worst thing that you can do as a listing agent is not know how to price a home. That, that person allowed you into their home to get an analysis, and here you are underpricing the property by $20,000. You just lost that seller money because you did not know how to price a home. Or on the flip side, you just lost yourself money because that $400,000 home, you just priced it for four sixty, dollars right. And now it's sitting on the market, market for an extended period of time, and time is money. Oh, and by the way, you're losing marketing money as well. So it's up to you to study the entire market for where that home resides. Not only that, but then you have to be educated simply because the 
owner's going to be educated with the ability for them to go on Zillow and do the. And they're thinking they're the expert on how much their home is valued, right? Yeah. And they're going to have you, the expert, come in, and they're going to ask you about what do you think my property, and they're going to try to counterpoint whatever price value you're trying to put. Yeah. In my opinion, anyway, because they're informed as well. So, I mean, that's where you have to show that you're the expert. Absolutely. And, and, and experts get paid, okay? And they're trusting you. You need to. So, here's the deal if you don't know how to do a CMA report to price a home, there's, there's several things that I would do. The first thing I would do is go to a local board training, right? They always have these CMA classes. Um, I would sit down and maybe have coffee with a local appraiser, okay? okay? At the end of the day, reach out to your local appraiser and have a conversation about that. The next thing you need to do, you got an opportunity to generate a lead, you go on a list and appointment, okay? I like telling a very detailed story. I don't like to, so I'm, let's say I'm well, you know, I've practiced all the scripts. I know my, marker, my, 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 my marketing report that I'm going to give them. But here's the thing. I like telling them a very comprehensive story, okay, from beginning to end. I call it a canned presentation. A lot of you call it a listing presentation, okay? Now, I want you to think about Jay Leno, okay, or any comedian that is performing in front of large crowds, let's say, in Vegas. A lot of you think that they just came out and they're so brilliant, their comedic mind, and they just start randomly, randomly throwing these jokes out one after another. What people don't realize, though, is that that person, to be in Vegas, to perform in front of 10,000 people, probably went to the comedy store in, in L.A., every night for free to practice their jokes for months before they ended up on Netflix, before they ended up at Caesar's Palace, right? Jay Leno, as an example, makes about a million bucks a night in Vegas, a night. And before he comes out, what a lot of you don't see because you're getting your cocktails, you're talking to one another, is he has one of his staff goes and he puts out cue cards on the floor, eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper. And each one of those has like, let's imagine a bullet point. And one of the bullet points, and he spreads, they spread these out across the stage, okay? And one of the, one of the uh, pieces of paper says, Red Sox joke. The next piece of paper says, tell the joke about Trump and Hillary. The next piece of paper, and so what happens is, ladies and gentlemen, Jay Leno, and he comes on out, and what does he do? He looks down at the cue card for joke number one that's on his right shoulder, and he looks down, and it says, Red Sox joke. And he says, hey, everybody, uh, have you seen the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry? He's done with the joke. Then he looks over to his left shoulder, walks to the left of the stage. He sees the Hillary Trump joke. He says that. Why? He wants to take his audience on an organized show. Now, I would encourage you, use a listing presentation, whether you use it on a PowerPoint, you bring your iPad, or some agents like to go old school and print out a, 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 a binder. Show and tell. It's not that you don't know what to say. Is I want you to think of Jay Leno. I want you to look at your slide, and then ra- then boom. Now you talk about that for a minute. Right. Go to the next slide. Boom. So presentations work. Um, now here's when, when you're putting together a list and presentation. There's several things in this order that you must convey to your seller. Okay. The first thing, number one, you got to create trust. You've got to create trust with that seller. If they do not trust you, they will not do business with you. Is, is that safe to say? Absolutely. Okay. Trust comes in various forms. If you showed up on the list and appointment wearing an ACDC shirt, no disrespect to Marilyn Manson or any rock group, but if you, you're being judged 
right there and then on your appearance. And your appearance portrays a form of trust. Do you agree? Absolutely. How you greeted them at the door, did you reach your hand out to shake their hand and offer your business card so they knew that you were a professional? I don't know. That's trust. When you asked to tour their home prior to sitting down at the kitchen table, did you uh, portray yourself as a professional at all times? Trust, okay? Now, another way to, to prove your trust is by to share your experience. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, well, Derek, I've never sold a listing before. Experience comes in different forms. So I'll give you an example. I've trained all of the agents at MVP Realty to say, hey, listen to this. You're not part of my team. I'm part of your team. So when you go on that listing appointment, whether you had 63 hours of real estate school and have never been on a listing appointment before, I'm on your team. Oh, and by the way, our other non-competing broker that's been in the industry for 27, 28 years, he's also on your team. Okay? So you need to go in there and start using my, the words, my team and I. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's I- giving you credentials already. I mean, and I'll give you a wild example. Who's the, the, like the, the 13th or 14th player on the Cleveland Cavaliers? I don't know. Okay, uh, Shumper or uh, Jarrett uh, uh, Smith? Uh, who? I, 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 I have no idea because we don't know who they okay, are. Okay, but here's the thing. When they won the championship a couple years ago, got a he, ring. he got a ring, right? Yeah. He's on that team. Absolutely. Who's the, guy, who's the main guy that was on that team, though? LeBron, Kyrie? LeBron, Kyrie. Okay, I mean, but go- he's still on that team, right? Absolutely. He, he banged it out in practice. He, he contributed, absolutely. He contributed in some form. Even if he never played one minute in the finals, he's the one that went head-to-head to get LeBron prepared for those finals. He's part of that team. So that's the deal. So you got to create that trust. you got to show your experience. Um, here's Let's talk about experience real quick. To everybody that's listening, and I would do this on the buyer side and on the listing side. Write down right now on this list on the seller side, on the listing side, 10 reasons why a seller should hire you. 10. If you don't have 10 reasons that make you special, you're going to have a very hard time convincing somebody else that you're special. But here again, I want you to do this not when you're on the appointment. Write them down now. Write them down now. And for example, um, my team and I consist of Derek Carlson and Jerry Bodart. Combined, they have over 47 years of real estate experience. Boom. Um, I promise to communicate with you, and this is my my expert level of communication. Once a week, you're going to get this, this, and this. So you're a communication expert, right? Um, marketing expert, things like that, but be specific. Ten reasons why, write them down. Now, a lot of you think that the bells and the whistles that you bring on a list and presentation is going to get the job done, okay? A lot of you are going to go in there with your ten things, You're going to go in there telling them how great you are with marketing. At the core of it, you need to understand that the seller cares about one thing. Can you find me a buyer for my property? And that's what you really need to prove. When you're going over your your marketing plan, you need to show them at a very high level that you understand how to generate leads and buyer leads for, and can you find them, not 100 buyers, one buyer, that's going to pay the maximum amount of price, and then you're going to offer the least amount of hassle to that seller. And that's all you need to convey. And here's the thing. Most agents that go on a listing appointment, they go in, yeah, we're going to market your home, or we're going to throw it in the MLS. Really? You're going to throw it in the MLS? You just watered down the entire <laughs> uh, MLS system. No, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, when we get your li- listing, we're going to go back to our multiple listing service. And when I enter that, let me tell you what happens. 
immediately, thousands of realtors are going to be notified via the hot sheet. Do you know what the hot sheet is? Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you can do it this way. Um, we're going to put your, your, your property on YouTube, right? Guess what? You just sounded like the other two listing agents that went in. No, this is what I want to say when it comes to YouTube as an example. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, when I take your list and I'm going to have a video tour put on YouTube. Did you know that 17% of all the worldwide internet traffic flows directly through YouTube? In fact, with 90% of all the buyers going online, YouTube is now the number two search engine in the world. And guess what? It's a global platform. So people in Europe, okay, people overseas can see your property. Doesn't that sound a lot better than, I'm going to throw your property on YouTube? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you bring up these reasons that you have to create for yourself and how you're going to present it, it sounds like giving the detail makes a big difference. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. So, so you, you create that trust in your, your listing presentation. You show your experience. You go over your marketing plan and what makes you special. Now, the seller is going to have questions. We call them objections. Uh, okay. Now, here's the thing. It's up to you to pull the objections out of the seller. You need to ask them the following question. Before you even talk about price, here's the deal. Price doesn't matter. If they don't trust you, if they don't think you have the experience, and they don't think you have a marketing plan, let me ask you, does the price of the home really even matter? No, they're already checked out. They're already checked out. So what I would do to pull these objections out of them is say the following. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, based on everything that we've gone through up to this point, do you feel that I'm capable of finding a buyer for your home? Huh. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. Um, Do you feel that I'm capable of selling your home? Yes. Once they say yes, why wouldn't they sign the listing agreement then? So you put them on the spot. Put them on the spot before you even talk about price because price doesn't matter. You and I just talked about that, right? So here's the deal. What you're going to find is when you try to get that listing agreement signed, they're going to, you're going to really start pulling some things out of them. Maybe they don't think you're capable. Maybe they don't like the name of the real estate company that you work with. They never heard of them, right? If you don't know how to pull those objections out of them, maybe they say to you, you know what? We want to list the home with you, but we're going to sleep on it tonight and we'll call you tomorrow morning. If you walk out of that property without doing the follow and when that objection comes up, you're going to not get the call the next day. And I'll tell you how I would handle that. Mr. And Mrs. Seller, I appreciate the fact that you want to sleep on this tonight. Why don't we do this? Let's have you sign the listing agreement right now. And I'm going to write in the other terms of the listing agreement. It's con- this contract that you're about to sign is contingent on you calling me tomorrow by 10 a.m. Telling me whether you want to go forward or not. Because guess what? Here's what's really going to happen. If you walk out of that property without the listing agreement signed, they will not call you the next morning or they'll come up with another excuse. If you walk out of that property with that listing agreement signed with that contingency, here's what's going to happen. The sellers are going to look at each other and say, you know what? They made a great presentation. They had some valid points. They handled every question that we had. Why don't we just give it to them? Okay? You just you just put yourself in a situation of getting the listing signed versus not. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So the mindset when you're going into these presentations is you cannot walk out of there without that listing. If you do, that means you didn't handle all the objections. All right. Which means you didn't practice, which is those scripts that we talked yeah, about earlier, right? Right, right, right. So finally... If they say, yep, you're the, you're the, you're the agent uh, to list our home, then you go over price. And then you go over the CMA report. And you show them in detail why you're pricing up the home they are. Okay. And here's the thing. Right. You need to remind them. 
that the statistics and the properties that you're showing them on that CMA report, the uh, comparative market analysis report, you didn't make those up. If they're mad at you, they shouldn't be. They should be mad at their their neighbors and their the homeowners in the neighborhood yeah. for selling homes at the prices they did, right? So go over the CMA report, um, and at the end of the day, no matter who goes into that property, okay, no matter who goes into that property as far as other agents to put on a presentation, they're going to use the same stats that you have. It's not like they have magical stats. It's the same stats. And you need to convey that to the seller that, hey, listen, other agents might come in here and tell you what you want to price the home at, and they're going to let you price the home. But the reality of it is, okay, every month that this property sits on the market, you're losing your carrying costs. You're losing your monthly mortgage. You're losing your HOA fee. You're losing your property taxes. Every single month by having an overpriced duck on that MLS, you're losing money. So therefore... I'm going to go over the CMA report with you right now. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that um, sellers or homeowners are always trying to do, trying to get the maximum dollar. But you have to educate them on what the market bears with their value, right? I mean, because that's something that I know I, when I was in my days in real estate, I know that was the battle that you had with owners, that they just Absolutely. felt their property was worth more than it really was. Absolutely. And, and I think at the end of the day, that's the uh, you got to have that. Now, finally, Anthony, you're the seller. Okay, you're the seller. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to ask you one question. Yeah. Do you think I can find a buyer for your property? Absolutely, 100%. Sign the listing agreement. With the steps you sign, just... Sign the listing agreement. Uh, yeah. You got to ask them to sign the listing agreement. Wow. Okay? It's that simple. But will you take 6% commission? I mean, I'm sorry, 5% commission when I usually get 6 let's say. Um, no. Next question. See, really? so, Yeah, because here's the deal. Huh. And they're like, well, the other agent says that uh, they would list it for 5%. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, let me ask you this. I get 6% on all my listings. I'm a listing professional. I sell homes like this all the time. If I'm not willing to fight for my worth and my money, what makes you think that I'm going to fight for your money when a contract comes in? Mm. Right? Right. So I can appreciate the fact that somebody's willing to take 5%. They obviously, for whatever reason, okay, but I get 6% because I do an excellent job at what I do. I'm a professional. Right. right. Now, I'm going to counter to that. What if they tell you, well, I'll give you the 6%, but you have to put the price up higher? I mean, have you had that before? Here's the deal. Putting the price up higher only hurts them. The okay. market is the market. They're still going to have to put it down eventually. So yeah, okay. the market okay. is the market. Okay, so we went through the list and presentation. I wanted to give everybody a, a couple things. Go read those scripts. How to handle objections, powerful closes, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you're ready to generate some leads? Let's do it. Always. Right. Now, generating seller leads. Okay, we're going to go over a couple things here. We're going to talk about, uh, I always like going after the lowest lying fruit, okay? Obviously, is it safe to say that you can stand outside of Publix, the grocery store, handing out business cards, asking sure. people if they want to list their property, right? Yeah, yeah. It takes time. It, it might work. You might have to sit out there for one year to get that one list, and it's safe to say, right? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, that's, that's a way that you can actually get listings, but I don't like doing that. I like hedging my bet, doing the tried and true of the things that have been working for many, many years years. So what we're going to go over right now very quickly is neighborhood farming, expired listings, FISBOs, short sales, and then some things that you can do online to generate leads. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Farming and neighborhood. Okay. Farming and neighborhood. Okay. This isn't where you actually have a, a you know, a, a shovel and a, 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 what do they call it? A hoe? A hoe. All right. This is not where you Pitch have a fork. hoe. Pitchfork. Okay. This is farming and neighborhood in the terms of Real estate. Now, when you're farming a neighborhood, you got to first understand that it's a game of touches, okay? 
the agent that seems to touch that neighborhood more on a consistent basis tends to generate the most business in that neighborhood. And this could be in the form of mailing them things, okay. uh, online presence, things like that. Okay. Now, when it comes to uh, neighborhood farming, you got to understand that it's a, it's, it's a niche. Farming a neighborhood is a niche. It's about planting seeds today for tomorrow's growth. It's not instant money. I'm going to tell you right now, if you think farming a neighborhood is instant money, you are in the wrong real estate game. Farming a neighborhood is about building relationships where you're planting those seeds on someone else's land, where you want to be the top agent, where you want to stay top of mind. You want to be the referral engine. Now, here's the deal. If you're going to farm a neighborhood, location of that neighborhood is key, is absolutely key. Now, what does it cost? Okay, what does it cost to farm a neighborhood? It's an investment of your time and money. If you're going to f- decide to farm any neighborhood, the first thing you can need to do is commit to at least six months before you quit. You cannot quit until you get six months into that neighborhood. Expect not getting one listing for six months. Now, here's the other thing. You need to dedicate 20% of your marketing budget to the neighborhood farm. Another thing, never quit your farm. Because if you do, guess what? Somebody's going to go in there and take all the goodwill that you just created. If your farm situation's not working, make adjustment, not excuses. Visit your farm on a regular basis. And here's the thing. You need to become the real estate. Re- Stop trying to look at it as how much money you're going to make at your farm. Go at it from a, a place of service. You need to become their real estate resource. Everybody living in that neighborhood. And at the end of the day, this is some valuable advice that I give all of our agents. If you want to make more money, you got to add more value. And the way that you can add more value to the consumers in that neighborhood is provide more information to become the expert of that neighborhood. Yeah, that's what it comes down to, just being the expert. Because if you think of it long term, like you just said, when you're the expert, the top person in that community they're going to come to you. Yeah, I because agree. Because that's going to be the, the reputation you're going to have. I agree. So you're and trying to build that. So to become a neighborhood expert, this is what it takes. Number one, you got to study that MLS, the multiple listing service. Study it like you're, 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 you're preparing yourself for a massive exam. Okay? That's the level of study. And you need to know every active listing, pending sale, closed sale, expired listing, how many days on the market, the average price per square foot, the median house price. In that neighborhood, not only do you have to study the MLS, you got to study the neighborhood itself. Yeah. Know every street name. Know the amenities included. What are the HOA rules and regulations? Who built the homes in there? The floor plan names. What's the monthly HOA fee? Why? That is the level of expertise that it takes to be a neighborhood expert, a far, somebody that's going to farm a neighborhood. Now, how do you choose a neighborhood to farm? This is the formula that I've always used. Number one, proximity. Proximity, write that down. Yeah. What does that mean? You got to make sure that the neighborhood's close enough to you that you can relate to the people that live in it. So, for example, I live in North Naples. I know the hospitals, the restaurants, the parks, the school system of North Naples. I know what the traffic is like on Immokalee Road. Well, does it really make sense for me to farm a neighborhood in South Naples 40 minutes away? No. Where I don't know those restaurants, I don't know the school systems? No, I can't relate to the people that live there. And here's the other thing. By picking a neighborhood close to where I live, I can get in and out. If I got to go put a for sale sign out, a key box out, I got to drop brochures off, whatever it is, It's a better use of my time by staying within proximity of where I live. Now, production. 
you got to set goals based on your farm size. So first thing is, can you afford a neighborhood that has 3,000 homes in it? You might not be able to have the budget to last six months for a neighborhood of uh, 3,000 homes. You might have to go after a neighborhood of only 500 homes. And what kind of production do you expect after one year? The rule of thumb that I always had and what I've talked to some of the top agents out there that they're happy with is 1% of the production. So for example, your neighborhood has 500 homes in there. In the next year, I want to close five of those to start. And then I'm going to work from there. Right. If you go in there saying, I'm going to close 30% of all the homes in there, you're setting yourself up for failure. That's not even reality. Okay. You might get there one day, but you're not going to get there the first year. The next thing you need to ask yourself is, do you have the budget? Okay, because let's face it, in the marketing budget that we're going to go over for farming a neighborhood, do you have the money to last a, a neighborhood of 500 homes for six months least, of marketing? Yeah. At least. Because if you don't, you're not going to market, and all that goodwill that you started is going to go f- for naught. It's right. going to be for waste, okay? Now, here's the formula of picking the right neighborhood. A lot of my agents come to me like, I want to farm the neighborhood I live in. And I ask them, are you sure it's the right neighborhood? But I live there. I know that you're excited about where you live, but let's face it, nobody else might find your neighborhood appealing as far as a business model. And I'll give you an example. If there's a thousand homes in your neighborhood, only two of them closed in the last year, you're throwing good money at a bad investment. Go find another neighborhood. So this is what I look at when I I decide whether we're going to farm a neighborhood or not. Number one, and all these stats can be found in the MLS, what is the turnover ratio? Okay, a healthy neighborhood, in my opinion, is a neighborhood that has 10% of the homes turn over every year. Okay, what does that mean? The neighborhood has 500 homes. We're seeing 50 closings or more a year in that neighborhood. So, so it's not the, the amount of listings, it's the amount of homes in the community. 10%. Okay. 10%. I want to see, if I'm going to decide to spend my hard-earned money, I want to see a neighborhood that has a 10% or more turnover ratio. I better see if there's 500 homes in that neighborhood, and when I go to the MLS, I better see 50 closings a year, okay? Okay, okay. The list-in-the-sold ratio. I like to see a, a healthy list-in-the-sold ratio. What does that mean? I like to see a two-to-one ratio where there's two listings for every one buyer, and I'll give you what you don't want to see. Let's say you came in, you're like, Derek, I just got the listing in this neighborhood, and I'm like, okay, congratulations. Good luck selling it. Why are you being so rude? Well, here's the deal. In that neighborhood, there's been two closings in the last year, and currently on the market, there's 45 active listings. You just became listing number 46. Good luck to you. That means you're going to have longer days on the market, more marketing dollars, and more than likely, it's going to be a struggle because now, every time you do a price reduction in that neighborhood to try to get into a better position, you have 45 other properties that are going to probably do the same thing. And then it becomes who can get to the bottom fast enough. And your seller might not have the motivation to match with the other 45 properties in that neighborhood. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And then you're stuck with a property that doesn't That might go to expired and now you just literally wasted your time. If it doesn't close, you don't get paid. I like a two-to-one ratio, okay, of sellers versus buyers. Competition ratio, okay? Look to see who's selling those homes in that neighborhood over the last year. Do you see anybody that's dominating? Most of the time, you assume that there's one agent dominate in the neighborhood. I call domination anything above 20 to 25% of the entire market share. So out of those 10% that close every year, the 50 homes, is there somebody that sold 20 to 25% of that? If there is, be careful. 
because you might be going and fighting with a beast to try to get market share in that. I'm not saying it's impossible, but guess what? Your job just became a little bit more difficult. I would find a neighborhood, and you're going to find a lot of them that has zero competition. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, you said it in the beginning as far as the amount of people that, that are able to have listings and closings all together. So I think it seems like just being informed with the, the market or the community you're trying to farm is very important. Absolutely. And here's the last advice. Price point. Price point. Stop marketing the things you don't want. It, it, just because you got a, if you don't want to sell hundred thousand dollar properties, stop sending out just sold postcards for the hundred thousand dollar property. Stop posting ads on Craigslist for hundred thousand dollar properties or any social media. Okay, go after neighborhoods that you like the price point. Yeah. And if that's two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand, focus on that. Focus on that uh, because I want you to be excited every time a, a seller gives you an opportunity to list a home. Well, it just sounds like not only that, but you want to have a, a fighting chance to sell yeah. the home and, and be able to have the turnover and be able to just move on and be able to create a portfolio. Exactly. So here, here's my neighborhood farming postcard campaign because I, I believe that postcards are critical to su the success of farming a neighborhood. Number one, postcard number one. I want you to uh, uh, send out a postcard announcing your neighborhood website. Okay. So for example, if you're farming Saturnia Lakes, you created a website. 99 bucks on website box dedicated to Saturnia Lakes, and you went out and bought a domain name at GoDaddy called SaturniaLakesNaplesFL.com. You create a postcard announcing the new neighborhood website, right. and you send it to everybody in the neighborhood. That's a buck a piece. Uh, 500 homes in the neighborhood. You just spent 500 bucks on month number one. Month number two, I want you to host a mega open house in the neighborhood. Find mm -hmm. a listing to host an open house. Send that postcard out. Month number three, I want you to send out a personal note personal note card, handwritten note card to every homeowner in that neighborhood, okay, that says, I have buyers for the neighborhood, Wow. okay, are you thinking about selling your home, let's talk, that type of thing. Month number four, you're going to send out your quarterly neighborhood report that has all the active listings, all the closed sales over the previous quarter, all the pendant sales. Trust me, that will probably be your most popular postcard that you send. Month number five, I want you to send out a postcard that has your unique selling proposition. Craig Proctor talks about your USP. I would say something that says like your home sold in 30 days, guaranteed, something like that. Month number six, I want you to send out a postcard that's community related, goodwill related, maybe a neighborhood barbecue. Maybe you rented out the local movie theater where all the kids in the neighborhood can go see the new Star Wars movie, right? Maybe a food drive or a neighborhood cleanup. Those, that's the six-month postcard campaign. Month number seven, wash, rinse, and repeat. Mm. Go right back to month number one. In between, though, in between, over and above what I just said, okay, you need to send out just listed and just sold postcards. Okay. That's, that's proof to the neighborhood that you are having success, okay? So that's the postcard campaign. And again, if you want examples of those type of postcards, just go to Google, right. type in Realtor Barbecue Postcard, and you'll find it. <laughs> find out, just seriously, go no, to Google amazing. and no. go to Images, and right. you'll find anything you want when it comes to that. Um, you can get postcards created on companies like ExpressDocs.com and so forth and so on. Now, that's the postcard campaign. I believe you should be having neighborhood, uh, as I mentioned earlier, events at least once every six weeks at the neighborhood. Cleanups, charity. Maybe uh, you have a truck go around where you shred pe uh, paper 
like office, uh, some of the documents, a document shredding party where everybody right. shreds the stuff. You have movie day, clubhouse event, maybe start a tennis league in the neighborhood, yeah. stuff like that. Um, one of the things you might want to do is go canvas in the neighborhood, door knock in the neighborhood, right when you first kick this off. And what you want to bring is the CMA report for the neighborhood. What's been going on in there? And I don't want you to ask for business. I only want you to door knock and give and then step aside and go to the next door. Door knock and give. What you're trying to do is create goodwill within the neighborhood. Finally, with a neighborhood that you, you're farming, I encourage you, and again, you have to use the do not call list, every single time you get a listing for that neighborhood or you sell a listing in the neighborhood, I want you to call the neighborhood. Call them. And I want you to call and say, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, this is Derek Carlson with MVP Realty. And the reason for my call is I just closed the home seven doors down from you. And I wanted you to know that um, we sold that. It closed in 41 days. We sold it for $375,000. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a listing, you do the same thing. We just listed the property. Right. Here's why that's critical. When Mr. Johnson or Mrs. Johnson wants to sell their home, guess what they think that you're going to do for their property when they list it with you? The same thing. Yeah, Call right. everybody in the neighborhood. Right. Let them know about it. Hey, pick your neighbor. Call it a pick your neighbor phone call. Okay. So that's neighborhood farming. Okay. That's how you go after neighborhood farming. It's a game plan. We're going to keep going with this concept, getting listings. The next one, I call it the lowest lying fruit over and above your sphere of influence. Okay. We're not going to talk about sphere of influence as far as that goes. When it comes to sphere of influence, just pick up the phone, call your friends, everybody that knows you, loves you, knows that you're a realtor and ask for the business. That's it. Okay. Make sure they know you're a realtor. Don't be a secret agent. But the real true lowest lying fruit in the real estate game when it comes to listings are expired listings, expired listings. And here's why. We just talked about neighborhood farming. Let's use Saturnia Lakes again. You and I are in the car and we're driving down a Mockley Road and you say to me, Derek, I would like to go after listings in Saturnia Lakes. And I look at you and say, Anthony, do you have a list of all the homes? And you say, yeah, Derek, there's 550 homes in there. Great. Let's, let's go after all 550 homes, AKA neighborhood farming. That's going to take time. We have to go door knock in 550 homes, send postcards, call every one of them. Right. And it's going to cost a lot of money and time. But I look at you and say, Anthony, wait a minute. Why don't you pull up the expired listings in Saturnia Lakes over the last 60 days? Right. And you have that. And you say, Derek, there was 10 expired listings that never made their way back onto the market. There's, they just went expired and nobody relisted them. Really? Why don't we just go target those 10? See, it's not a matter of if they want to sell. They've already expressed interest in selling. In fact, if we drive into Saturnia Lakes right now, I would imagine that at the end of the driveway, there's 10 sellers jumping up and down saying, will somebody please come help me right. sell my home? It's a targeted audience. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you figure that the numbers will be somebody in that expired listings will want to continue to have their house listed. Exactly. And now all you need to do, all you need to do is come up with a better a better solution right. than the previous agent. Right. Okay? And here's the deal. You can usually look at the his- listing history to determine before you even call that seller why their home didn't sell. It was overpriced, horrible marketing right. efforts. Wrong MLS listing input, whatever, yep. right? Yep. Uh, maybe the agent didn't have an experience. It was their first listing, whatever the case may be, okay? So I would say go after expired listings. Now, here's the deal. There's only two ways to go after expired listings effectively, in my opinion. You can call them 
as soon as the property hits the hot sheet, or you can mail them a very detailed postcard or letter of why they should list their home with you or at least call you for the list and appointment. Okay. I call it um, I call it the Mike Ferry or the Craig Proctor uh, ways of generating business. And I'll go on that in a minute. Now, for anybody that wants to go after expired listings, you, you could technically go into the hot sheet of the MLS every day and uh, reverse en- engineer that and find the homeowner's phone number. It takes time. Time is money. What I used to do and what a lot of top agents do is they go out and hire service to send you the list of all the expired listings from the day before or that day. Um, you can use the redx.com, landvoice.com, vulcan7.com, look into any one of those. Now, as I mentioned earlier, you have two different ways to uh, generate expired listing seller leads, okay? Number one, you could do it the Mike Ferry way. Now, with Mike, one of the greatest coaches in the history of our industry, he says, hey, here's the deal. You've got to make those calls to expired listings, all of them, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. or 8 to 11 a.m. every single day. Smile and dial. Pick up the phone and call that homeowner using the data that you got from one of those services. And by the way, I'm going to teach you from those scripts what to say and how to say it when you get the homeowner on the phone, right? Consistency wins. If This is not something that you want to just do one day and then not do for another two months. You have to do it every single day, two hours a day, give or take, and consist. this is the biggest game of consistency wins. In fact, I'm going to show you, even if you failed 99% of the time with Mike's method, you still have wild success in our industry. Oh, and by the way, how much does it cost to make a phone call? Free. Exactly. So you're not spending any money on marketing. There's no postcards. You're using your cell phone. So a lot of agents that are crying, oh, I can't be successful because I don't have the money to market. Wrong. You're wrong. All you need is your cell phone to reach out to these homeowners. And I'll give you an example of getting a homeowner on the phone. So you finally get a homeowner on the phone and you say, hi, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hi, Mr. Johnson. My name is Derek Carlson with uh, MVP Realty. And the reason for my call is that I noticed that your property just went expired and I specialize in selling homes that expired. And Mr. Johnson says to you, you are the 14th caller today. I hate realtors. Now, if you obviously accept that to be true and factual, okay, then you're not going to get the listing. Mike Ferry trained agents will say something like this. <laughs> well, Mr. Johnson, that's funny. There's 7,000 realtors in Naples, Florida, and it's good to see that only 15 of us are working today. Wow. Now you just got his attention. Perspective, yeah. Perspective. Now you just got his attention, right? So the reality of it is, is you target the expired listings. It's a targeted list. They've already expressed interest in selling their home. And now you just need to convert that into a possible listing presentation or a listing appointment. Here's why I love Mike's method. When you mail a postcard, they have you have exactly eight seconds before that postcard is going to either go in the trash or go on the refrigerator. They're either saving it or throwing it away. Most agents miss the spot when it comes to getting a message so powerful that they want to pick up the phone to call you. With a conversation... Now it's like a seesaw. The seller says this, you counter with that. The seller says that, you counter with this. It's a two-way conversation. You know when you hang up that phone, whether you're going on a listing appointment or you're calling the next seller. With a postcard, you are literally praying that your message was strong enough 
right. that somebody's going to want to call you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I so mean, you know your yeah. answer right away. You know if you got it or you don't. Right after that phone call, whether it's a minute or 10 minutes, I mean, you and you're going to have that script from Mike Ferry. And these are people that are successful. Exactly. These uh, Mike's been around for 45 yeah. plus years. And I'm going to tell you right now, he, uh, let me do a little math for you. And why even if you failed 99% of the time, you could have wild, wild success if you're willing to study the scripts and attack uh, almost like a game going after expired listings. Let's say you made 20 calls a day directly to expired listings. People that have already expressed interest selling their home. Just five days a week. I want you to have Saturday and Sunday off. That means that every week you're making 100 phone calls times 52 weeks. That's 5,200 calls a year directly to expired listings. Even if you failed 99% of the time, and you only captured 1% of those that you called that year, that's 52 listings that you got. In Naples, the average home price is 9000 uh, commission check is $9,000. 9000 times 50 is four hundred and fifty grand a year in commission by making phone calls, 20 of them a day, five days a week. But we have agents struggling out there. Do the math. Do the work. Follow the blueprint, and you can make more money than you could ever imagine, even if you failed 99% of the time. I'm blown away because it's, it comes back to you having the persistence, the patience, the discipline, the education to go forward, and eventually the results will be there. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Now, finally, mailing, mailing a unique selling proposition postcard. I learned this from Craig Proctor. Okay, Craig Proctor is one of the top real estate agents and real estate minds in the history of our industry. But what he does, is he's mastered marketing. He thinks like a seller. He knows the value of creating unique marketing content that screams, literally screams to the seller, pick up the phone and call this realtor. Okay. It's that powerful. Okay. Master marketing expert. Hmm. Now what Craig says is, listen, <laughs> the return on investment in real estate is so ridiculous you can spend $1 on a postcard and get 15 times that in the form of commission. Oh. So what Craig does is every every time a, a, a new listing hits the market, he bombards the heck out of that listing with unique selling propositions of why you should list your home with him. Oh, really? Okay? okay. Powerful. And you can find a lot of this marketing sure. stuff. Go to one of his local trainings, things like that. But every single marketing piece he sends out has a unique selling proposition. Um, you might might have seen it before. Your home sold in 30 days guaranteed. Think about this. You send that message to a seller that just had their property listed with another realtor for a year, and you hear yep. you come in guaranteeing a sale in 30 yep. days? Yep. That's going to intrigue the interest of a seller much more so than hire me. I'm the greatest realtor ever. Right. No. Why should I hire you? Right. Well, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Your home sold in 30 days guaranteed. And the same math works. You send out five to 5,200 expired listing candidates, homeowners, you're going to get a certain, and if your message is strong enough, right. yes, it might cost you a buck per postcard, but how many listings are you going to get? Especially if you, you hit them multiple times, right? So the opportunity is there to make tremendous money by going after expired listings by having that unique selling proposition. All right, ready to go on to the next one? Yeah, let's keep going. For sale by owners. Fizzballs. Fizzballs, okay. Now, you've read the stats. You've seen the stats. I'll give you a couple examples. 
did you know that the owner of ForSaleByOwner.com actually listed his property with a realtor? Did you know that 89% of all FISBOs eventually end up in the hands of a realtor? On Newsflash, the FISBOs don't care about those stats until they're ready to care about those stats. If you try to go in the day the for sale by owner client or homeowner puts a sign in their yard right. and start spewing yeah. that nonsense to them, they're going to say, I hate realtors, you're <laughs> disgusting, you salesman flea bag, get off my property. Now, here's the deal, though. You can, you can try the gunshot approach. Just start going on and knocking on for sale by owners and calling for sale by owners to try to get the listing. But I came up with a little scenario. What's the difference of knocking on a for sale by owner right when they put the sign out in the yard and asking for the listing versus going on a blind date, pulling into the driveway, picking up that blind date from match.com, knocking on the door and trying to go for the kiss right when the person opens the door. You never met him before. Now, mind you, trust me when I say it might work. Yeah, it might. <laughs> there might be one out of every hundred doors right. that you knock on and be like, come on, big boy, let's go, right? Yeah, right. Um, 99% of the time, you're going to get slapped in the face Absolutely. and the door is going to be slammed on you. Yep. So what I've come up with is what I call the date and process. It's a 30-day date and process that I found that our agents are having success with for the world of for sale by owners. Let me tell you what the seven, it's seven steps, okay? And here's here's what it looks like. Day number one, you call the for sale by owner. And you say, Mr. and Mrs. Fisbo, my name is Derek Carlson with MVP Realty. And the reason for my call is that I specialize in selling homes in the na- your neighborhood. It's my job as a professional to know every home for sale in that neighborhood. Okay? So what I'd like to do is I was wondering, if I were to bring you a buyer for your property, would you give me a small commission for bringing that buyer? Most Fisbos will say yes. They're willing to give you a commission if you bring the candy to the party, right? Which is a buyer. They don't want to list the property with you at that point. So you schedule an an appointment to go over and look at the property because as a professional, you need to look at it. And you go over there and you do not try to get the list in. What I want you to do is go look at the property. Talk to them about how much they're asking for that property. Take notes. Introduce yourself as a professional. Don't try to get the list in though. This is day one of the date. Okay? When you leave, I want you to take and I want you to bring with you every contract addendum Chinese drywall, everything. And you say to Mr. and Mrs. Fisbo, thank you so much for having me out tonight. I'm going to go to work. Thank you for signing the one-time commission agreement that says if I bring a buyer, you're going to give me 3%. Oh, by the way, here's all the contracts and addendums you should have just in case somebody wants to buy a home for you. And you take it, and it's about 50 pages thick of everyone, and you go thump right on the countertop. And then you shake their hand and walk out. What do you think that seller's thinking to themselves right there and then? Wow. Lawsuit. Yeah. I have no idea what's all that. All of a sudden, you just valued yourself as a professional, not an amateur. You just valued yourself that understands what all that means. They don't. You just put some fear into them. Would you agree? Absolutely, man. I mean, go ahead. Day number three, I want you to drop off something of what I call goodwill. Go to Home Depot, pick up a couple of $5 open house signs. Maybe create some brochures, drop off 25 color brochures, and leave them at the house with a little note. Day number seven, call that Fisbo. Mr. and Mrs. Fisbo, it's Derek. Hey, Derek, now you're on a first-name basis. Um, hey, by the way, you know, obviously I respect the fact that you're listing, the home, listing your home on your own. Um, let me ask you this. Where are you going next? Because if you're going to accept an offer on your home, shouldn't you know what's out there to buy? 
And they're going to tell you, well, we're looking to upsize, downsize, or maybe move out of the area. Whatever they tell you, you can help them. Maybe you can refer them to somebody up in Nashville, right? Maybe you can uh, set them up for automatic emails for the neighborhood they're interested in. So anytime a new listing hits the market, they get notified. Help them from the buyer side, right? Don't help them from the listing side. Everyone's trying to get the listing. Help them by educating them what's out there for new construction on the buy side. Hey, maybe you'll get a buyer deal, right? Maybe you'll get a, a, a buyer side closing. Day 11, I want you to drop off a preliminary HUD from your title company and also mortgage rates with a little note. I wanted you to know what's going on in the world of mortgage. And by the way, this is a preliminary HUD. So when you do sell the home, right, you're going to need this. Day number uh, 16, drop off more open house signs and brochures. Day number 21, you're going to follow up. Three weeks, you're dating them now. Mr. and Mrs. Fisbo, it's Derek. Hey, Derek. Hey, uh, just wanted to follow up with you. How things going with the sale of the home? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm marketing it now, getting buyer leads, things like that. Man, it's tough. I had a realtor that left the door unlocked yesterday. They let the cat out. Ooh. You start hearing the nightmare stories. Whenever you hear a nightmare stories, there's a solution. It's called you. At that point, you're going to call Mr. and Mrs. Fisbo back, and you're going to say, hey, listen, I'm doing a CMA report for another home in your area. Can I come by it tomorrow at 10? It's an appraisal, basically. It's, gonna, it's a comparative market analysis. I'd like to drop that off to you and go over it with you so you know exactly what's been going on in your neighborhood because obviously you should know how to price your home. Mm-hmm. He will or she will say yes. When you go in there, I want you to bring that CMA report and the listing presentation. Now you've been dating them for about four weeks. They trust you. They know that you're capable. They know that you're experienced. And guess what? You're the only realtor that never asked for the listing. Right. You've showed them goodwill. You've showed them right. good faith. They can work with you, right? And now you're coming in with a solution, okay? Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, this is a combination of, of being educated, showing that you're an expert, and then having a goodwill. Like you said, you're not forcing going for the kill on a date right from the moment you meet them. And that's just part of the process that you have to take exactly. patience, having patience with it. Okay, we're going to go on to the next category. So that was Fizbo's. We're going to talk about... Uh, uh, Category right now called short sales. Okay. Anthony, you, you, it's pretty safe to say the economy is going pretty good right now, right? So far, so good. Okay. Um, do you still know that, that, that there's homeowners out there that are finding themselves in the pre-foreclosure process? Yeah. Even in a good economy. Uh, yeah. A lot of the realtors, they only get into short sales and things like that when the entire realtor community decides to focus on it. I zig when everybody else zags, okay? So here's the deal. A lot of you are ignoring short sale opportunities right now because you assume the economy is good and that there are no short sale candidates. Mm -hmm. Here's what I want you to do. First, go to the county clerk's website. You're going to search a thing called LP, Liz Pendens, in your county that were filed at your Collier, for example, CollierClerk.com. You go to the website and you can search for all the court filings. You search for a thing called LP, which stands for Liz Pendants. Okay. Liz Pendants are filed from the lender to the homeowner when a, when a homeowner doesn't make their mortgage payments beyond 90 days. So they miss three months of mortgage payments. Oh, okay. It's an automatic thing. Now, that doesn't mean that the bank's foreclosing on the property today. That just means that somebody Heads is up. in trouble. Heads just, up. We're coming for okay. our property. I see. Okay. So as a uh, realtor, you can search this public record okay, to find all the recently- uh, recent homes that were had Liz pendants filed wow. against them. Okay. And here's what's going to happen. 
Don't call that homeowner saying, hey, listen, I want to list your property. I want to list your property. Short sale, short sale, short sale. Here's why. If you send me a postcard saying, are you losing your home to foreclosure? My kids get my mail, right? Yeah. I don't want my kids to be up at night worried that daddy's losing the house. Right, right, right. right, So that's crap. That's that's junk. What I would do and what I would encourage you to do is to write a letter, a personal letter that you put a stamp on it with an envelope to that homeowner, okay? And in the letter, what you're going to do is you're going to tell them, hey, listen, I have investors that, that may be interested in buying your home. That's it. And you, everybody has investors. I mean, if you need investors, go to any agent in your office and say, hey, I've got, I need an investor. Okay? They'll find them. Because investors will buy properties 80 cents, 60 cents on the dollar, okay. whatever. Okay? So the homeowner that just had the list pendants filed against them is going to pick up the phone and they're going to call you. And they're going to say, hey, I just got your letter in the mail. How much will you give me for the property? You can't price a home over the phone. So what you got to do is create a CMA report, go out to that property, schedule an appointment. Never mention the word short sale because you don't know. Maybe they have money in the bank to pay off the, the note. You don't know that. Right. You want right? to fill, fill them out. You got to fill it out first. All you know is that there was a Liz Pendens filed. You're never even going to mention that. So the next day you go out to the property, you meet the homeowner, and you bring a CMA report. And you sit down with them. And let's say the property's worth 200000 You can tell that homeowner, say, hey, listen, based on the CMA report, based on all these properties that closed identical to yours, your home's worth 200000 we have investors that will buy this for 80 cents on the dollar. So we have investors that will pay 160 right now. Okay? Follow me here. The homeowner is going to look at you and say, I can't take that. In fact, I can't even take 200000 I owe Bank of America 300 grand. Oh, wow. Um, well, forget about the investor. Even if we put it on the market at retail price, market value, are you willing to bring a hundred grand to the closing table to close this with Bank of America? Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I don't have a hundred thousand. All right. Have you ever heard of a short sale? And then you go into the process of what the short sale looks like. Where, okay. hey, listen, here's how this works. There are short sale experts out there. They'll take your bank statements. They'll take your uh, your 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 uh, your tax returns. They'll take uh, your weekly paycheck stub, and we're going to send a letter into your bank saying, hey, listen. The home's only worth 200000 okay. Would you do a short sale? They're going to send out an appraiser, and if they find that the property's worth 200000 and you were able to get them 200000 it's not guaranteed, but they may allow you to walk away from that property without even having to pay the realtor commission. Wow. Okay? But here's the deal. Start, start by searching the county records. For Liz Pendence. Liz Pendence. Okay. I was going to say uh, real quick, I mean, when it comes to short sales, how does the, the realtor um, get paid on that? The realtor gets paid by the bank. Okay. So literally in most cases, I and again, I can't I can't say all the time, but in most cases, the realtor gets paid by the bank, uh, the full commission. The, as long as you're not playing games and trying to sell that property for 140 when it's worth 200 right. remember, they're going to send out a broker price opinion or an appraiser to that property, the they're going to get the same stats that you did that it's worth 200. Okay. If you show the bank that you can get them 200 grand for that property and there's no games, no jokes, no gimmicks, um, more than likely they're going to want to work with you because the average foreclosure defense for a bank in this country is over $50,000. Oh boy. Okay? And that that's if yeah. that's if they could even go after that homeowner and all a homeowner has to do is file BK and then all of a sudden they walk away from that right. property. Right. And then the bank gets nothing. They get their asset back, but how much damage is going to be caused along the way? Absolutely. So it's in their best interest. But here's what I want to tell everybody. The highlight of this whole conversation about short sales is short sales are still relevant in your market. 
Go look for them. Target them. Send them out that letter and try to come up with a short sale game plan to actually help people avoid foreclosure. Does that make sense? No, and, and you know, and the, like you said earlier, you got to zig when they're zagging. Exactly. So exactly. I think that's what it is. Exactly. I mean, this time. Lastly, and again, this has been a long conversation, but let's talk about, I mean, it's let's face one. it. It's about listings. Okay. It's about listings. Lastly, online marketing to try to get listings. Here's what I would do is first of all, you need to, in the day of uh, the, today, you need to have a huge digital footprint. Why? Your sellers are researching you prior to giving you a listing. If they can't find you on YouTube, Google, Facebook, any of the social media platforms, you're a ghost to them. Why? Why is that critical? 90% of all buyers are online. And if you're not online, they're going to think that whatever you just tried to sell them, how you do this online marketing is not real. You just lost their trust. Yeah. So your digital uh, blueprint is very important to create that trust with your clients. How cool is it if you told them, hey, do me a favor, Google Saturnia Lakes Naples on YouTube and seven videos came up of you, right? That type of stuff. So, But here's the real way to get seller leads. So let's go beyond the digital footprint, okay? What I would do is uh, offer free CMA reports, okay? Uh, as an example, on listings to leads, L2L, you can create lead capture pages for free CMA reports. So for example, what is your Saturnia Lakes home worth? Find out, get your answer instantly in 15 seconds or less. And you take that lead capture page, you go into Facebook ads, mm -hmm. and into the demographics, you say, Facebook, give me everybody in that lives, and you drop the pin right on Saturnia Lakes. And you let that run relentlessly. Every time you get it just listed, you take that advertisement and you drop the pin right on Saturnia Lakes. Your marketing dollars to, to have that example that you're the top agent for that neighborhood is very cheap through Facebook ads. Very cheap. Also Instagram. You can target the audience that you're looking for. Now, unfortunately, Facebook has a category currently right now called likely to move. That's going away very, very soon. Mm. By the time you listen to this, it might be gone. Zuckerberg got himself in trouble by buying third-party information. And so there's a category currently called likely to move where you could say, give me everybody in Naples that is likely to move, which means what? They're likely to sell their house. And you could target them by offering them a free CMA report. Wow. The other things that I would do is uh, target neighborhoods. Okay, so for example, go to Google AdWords, create a campaign for a neighborhood. So when a seller that lives in the neighborhood or an owner that lives in the neighborhood types in Saturnia Lakes Naples into Google.com, there you are again. There you are again. Why? Perception. Perception is everything. If, if on the number one search engine in the world, I just typed in Saturnia Lakes Naples, which buyers would do, and you came up number one, oh boy, I, I, you probably have all the right. buyers for the neighborhood. No, exactly. Right? Um, that's what I would do. I mean, online marketing is very, very simple in the world, but you got to have that digital footprint of trying to go after seller leads. To, to, I would be on Craigslist. I would be on YouTube. Obviously, listen to the previous podcast on how you can expand um, your digital footprint. I would be on YouTube in a big, big way um, when it comes to that. You know what I wanted to add to that too, Derek, uh, as we wrap this up, that MVP is allowed agents to promote other listings. So I think that's a, what a great way of doing it. It's so Absolutely. different. Absolutely. We have hundreds and hundreds of listings, and we encourage our buyers, agents, listen, we know that you might not have listings to market, 
market the other agents listings in the company, um, maybe ask them to host an open house. Yeah. Again, by doing that, you get perceived with your digital footprint that you're the top agent, right? right? And success leaves clues. And if you're not posting anything on any of your social media platforms about listings or some of the things that you're doing, your, your sphere of influence and the people following you are just going to assume that you're a part-time realtor. Right. Right. And and that's not what you want, especially with the competition that's out there. No, absolutely, Derek. And, you know, that's just so diverse in this world, isn't it? From being able to get your listings, having the mindset, the foundation, the formula, discipline, all these things that you've talked about. It's I'm blown away because, again, in the industry, just having six listings makes you in the top percent. Seven yeah, percent. It's crazy. It, it, it's and crazy. again, I'm, and, and no disrespect. But those stats, I didn't look at other areas throughout the state. I looked at our local area. Okay. Um, and obviously, it's constantly changing. But I, would, I wouldn't I would be shocked if right. those stats were similar to other boards in other parts of the country, especially other parts of the state of Florida. Yeah. Um, very, very similar stats. And here's why. At the end of the day, becoming a top listing agent takes an, a, a good amount of skill set, which isn't rocket science. Remember, education plus action plus patience. We talked about that doctor thing in the beginning. Right. I wanted to bring you through that because none of this, none of this is rocket science. It's just about learning it, practicing it, and then implementing it. Right. And this is it. This is another epic. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm mind blown again because this is just a valuable session we just had here on how to get listing. And Derek, you're a genius once again. I don't want to toot hey, your horn here, but this is amazing information. And so listen, thank I, you. I know this went a little bit long. Oh, this is great. But here's the deal. Wow. If you don't have the patience to listen to an hour and 15-minute podcast, yep. <laughs> good luck to you. Right. And especially with the content that we provided today, I'd never hold back anything. No. Right? And I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm spitting what I call authentic truth. Um, obviously, there's 100 different ways to get listings. What we went over today, in my opinion, are the top strategies. And you can either listen to me or go touch the stove your house uh, yourself. I just hope you don't go broke. Or run out of time in the process. Yeah. So that's it, everybody. Hey, Lead Generation Lab, thank you, Anthony. I appreciate you. Let's do this. Let's do it.